This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on this 200th episode of the Transit Unplugged podcast. Recently recognized by Chartable as one of the top 200 podcasts in the world, we've been bringing you insightful interviews with transit leaders for the last five years, and today is no exception. For our 200th episode, we interview in-depth Eulis Cleckley, who is Director and Chief Executive Officer of the Miami-Dade County Department of Transportation and Public Works, and it is a great interview. Eulis tells us about the world's largest advanced traffic management system project that they're undertaking under the auspices of his department. They're upgrading 3,000 intersections with the latest and greatest technology in Miami-Dade. Also a look at what urban air mobility could mean for the Miami area and for other cities across the country. We talk about their microtransit program, Go Connect, and how it's filling in gaps in the mobility mosaic in the city and how they're pulling out all the stops for attracting and retaining operators Plus, a look at the recently held co-motion event right there in Miami and what it meant to them and the political leadership of the region. All that on this 200th episode of Transit Unplugged. Great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged, in-depth this week with Eulis Cleckley, Director and CEO of the Department of Transportation and Public Works at Miami-Dade, Florida, Paradise Great to have you with us, Ulysses. I'm very glad and happy to be here, Paul. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. We were, I was in your office last week during the commotion event down there, and uh, you've got a big operation, and it was very exciting, the event that you all hosted down there, Commotion Miami. Tell me some about that and, and uh, why you all wanted to host it. Yeah, sure. So Commotion Miami is an event that really brings together all of the leaders in the transportation industry with a focus on technology and innovation. And as we all know that for the past uh, decade or so, even more than that, the way in which our transportation system is modernizing itself, utilizing technology is really the wave, the future of transportation. And so Miami, I think everybody knows is, is a technology hotbed. And it just makes sense that we end up in a position where we're hosting that type of excitement around innovation. And so this past year's event was, was well attended, you know, usually for commotion, it's at two different locations per year. And so we're, we're happy to partner with, with LA as we did last year. And so for this year, there are a lot of exciting topics there. And one of which is this whole idea of urban air mobility. And yeah, this, man. Is, this is one that we're leaning into, okay. quite frankly, our our elected officials are very interested in this. And more importantly, our chair of our transportation planning organization, Commissioner Oliver Gilbert, tasked us, my department, the Department of Transportation and Public Works, as, as along with the uh, aviation department, to figure out ways that we can accept this new form of technology to move people in an efficient manner. So we're excited about that and, and uh, you know, more to come on, on how we're going to be utilizing that technology to to add to our transportation services moving forward. So, so those are the types of ideas and the concepts and the energy that were and was present there at this particular event. And so we're always excited to host it. Yeah. Let's talk about that for just a minute more, the urban air mobility. I mean, I've talked to Nat Ford about it up there in Jacksonville. I've talked to the folks in Dubai about it. They're all very excited about it. Feel like it's, uh, you know, it's not science fiction. It's happening. It's coming. I mean, we were there at the event when they unveiled a prototype of one of the, tell us about the vehicle and what could it do for cities, big cities here in America and around the world? Initially, from what we've seen from some of the vendors' business models is really establishing a 
origin and destination pair that moves people from primarily an airport to a specific area in a, in a dense or downtown type of concept. However, what we what we continue to learn is that these vehicles initially will be manned, but the idea is that it will be un, un, unmanned vehicles and it's going to be, they can be operated autonomously. The configuration of, of the vehicle can be operated at, at a level where uh, you can transfer passengers to and from without any type of congestion, any type of conflict with your traditional traffic that you experience on the ground. And so the exciting part about this is trying to figure out after you have the concept take place within a specific area, how can you bring it to scale and how can you have more nimbleness within that new technology to really help not necessarily supplant a transit trip, but support a transit system and like and get people to where they need to go in an efficient and seamless manner. And so- yeah. That's the exciting part for us for, for that type of technology. That's great. I mean, it's kind of like when you think about it, it might be similar, analogous to scooters. Scooters aren't going to replace a 40-foot bus, right. but they're a part of the overall urban mobility scheme, which can move people around and reduce congestion, which really is, Eulis, especially for a city like Miami. It's one of the key components of public transit, right? Reducing congestion, allowing people to you know, appreciate more of life rather than being stuck in traffic for hours every day. Right. Absolutely. And there's no magic bullet to, to mobility at this point. And so we really want to be in a position where we're accepting the various types of services that are p- being provided, whether it be the general public or public sector services uh, or private sector services. We, we have to all work together to make sure that we're layering on these different types of modes to really create a fabric so people can get around it as efficient as possible. So scooters is a prime example of that. I've had uh, many experiences trying to figure out ways to integrate scooters and develop a scooter program that really integrates with the transit system. And so again, you provide that menu of options for folks where they can walk out of their home or walk out of a place of business and they, they have choices to be able to get around to where they need to go. That's good. Getting them out of the car is the big issue, right? Getting Absolutely. them off our streets. So one thing I was impressed with at this event that John Rassant and his team at Commotion put together was the level of political support and that he, there in Miami, both your county mayor and your city mayor were speaking multiple times right out front, leading from the front. That's uh, That's a good sign. Absolutely. And, and that's the exciting, the exciting part of not only the innovation, but the fact that we have essentially consensus from not only the county, but the 34 municipalities within the county to really start to utilize this new innovation to address the transportation problem. And so I, as, as you know, and many of us know in the industry, a lot of the projects and services that we provided can only happen if you have significant political support. And so it's it's a good position to be in. And you know, you don't have to fight to get that acknowledgement to say that we need to invest in the into our transportation system and invest across all modes. And so from uh, our mayor, uh, Daniela Livinkava, who is always out front on transportation. She always talks about our her four E's, which has to do with economy, environment, equity, and engagement. And all of those aspects of our four E's kind of are interwoven into how we're planning for our transportation system moving forward. And then the city of Miami mayor as well spoke at, at the event. And, uh, you know, everybody's very excited about his participation from a tech standpoint. And he's been a true leader for the city of Miami as well. And I mentioned our, our one of our main commissioners that were there 
that was there to, to help us support it. So you have it at the county level and at the municipal level, and that's very important moving forward. That's great. You talked about innovation. I was able to spend a little bit of time with your director of innovation, Carlos Cruz Casas, while I was there. He, along with you, participated in the filming of our TV show, Transit Unplugged TV. What he was talking to me about a lot, Eulis, was your microtransit program. And I know that's a passion of his and yours. Uh, tell us about that and where you're at, what, what you're hoping to accomplish with it there in the Miami area. Absolutely. So we have a microtransit program, which is called Go Connect, and it's an on-demand service that uh, we provide on on a zone basis. And so in certain areas within the county, and the county is very large, certain areas within the county, essentially there are gaps that don't allow people from their residents to get to one of our main transit lines. And so um, about a year and a half ago, we uh, launched this Go Connect program, and it really helps to close that gap. We utilize a vendor that has Chrysler Pacificus and those are vehicles that are, are the right and appropriate size to provide that on-demand service. And it creates a convenience for folks to be able to get to some of our major routes on transit. And so we're trying to bring that microtransit concept to scale throughout other areas within the county. It's uh, been very successful and we have had a lot of requests to expand that service throughout many of our other municipal partners and areas within the county. Uh, so we're excited about that. As, as a point of note, we also, during a pandemic, had a similar type of program called Go Nightly. And this was something that um, the county realized at the height of the pandemic. So this is you know, the, from March until about, you know, June to the fall time of 2020, that as the transit demand decreased pretty significantly, there was still a considerable amount of people that relied on the service. And those are nighttime workers, hospital workers and the like. And the county and the department pivoted very quickly and provided a, a service that was an on-demand service that got people to some of our main transit routes, again, that were still running at that particular time. And it provided service from 12 midnight to 5 a.m., which was the overnight workers and the people that were reliant on our transit service. So, so you know, the microtransit concept is one that makes sense. It helps fill gaps for us. And it's uh, a concept and a service that we're going to have to rely upon moving forward. So we're excited as been working thus far and looking at bringing the scale throughout uh, other areas of the county. That's great. Tell us about your agency in general, uh, Eulis, and, and the services you provide. I was able to ride not only your microtransit, but you know a lot of the services while I was down there. But give us a scope of what you do there in Miami-Dade. Sure, sure. So from a transit perspective, we have three modes that we we provide service for. So one is our Metro bus mode where we have 99 routes currently. It's really the workhorse of our transit system. About 70% of our trips are actually on, on the bus. How many buses uh, do you operate? So we have, operate approximately 800 buses, approximately uh, 1,650 bus operators. So uh, large operation for us. And, and again, it's the workhorse of our overall transit system. We have a two rail modes. One is our Metro rail system, which is a 25 mile system uh, that connects folks at the airport and it connects the folks to what is called Dayland South, which is about uh, 20 miles um, outside of the, the core of the city. And then we have our Metro mover system, which is a 4.4 mile automated people mover system downtown. And it connects uh, to commercial areas such as Brickle, downtown, the arenas, uh, some of our arts and design district activities as, as well. So we, we have a, a very robust system that utilizes multiple modes 
and it's all controlled by our department. Now, that's the transit portfolio, but we also have the infrastructure slash public works portfolio. That's why we're called the Department of Transportation and Public Works. And so we have oversight and, and management and maintenance responsibilities for 5,500 miles of, of roadways within the county, approximately 190 bridges or so, 168 miles of canals, and over 3,000 traffic signals and, and everything in, in, in between our right away and things that are attached to it and below it. So it's a large portfolio, all dedicated toward uh, creating a transportation system that can move people and freight efficiently. And we have been going through a process where we're kind of revisioning our department and we really want to be the world's best provider of transportation options. And in order to do that, you provide your transportation services and then you provide that supporting infrastructure to move people and freight efficiently. And you've got a big infrastructure project going on. I, I know that we talked about $200 million, 3,000 intersections, upgrading all of the equipment. Tell us about that. It's a very exciting project. People in transit understand that, you know, unlike trains, buses have to travel on the roads. And so we Absolutely. need good road infrastructure as well. Yeah, sure. So, so I mentioned that we're trying to be the world's best provider of transportation option. And one uh, way that we are accomplishing that is to deliver the world's largest advanced transportation management system. And that's the project that you're, you're referencing. And so that project actually will upgrade over 3,000 of our traffic signals with new traffic controllers that will provide traffic detection, pedestrian detection, as well as bicycle detection at many of our intersections. We'll be able to collect that traffic data and utilize that data to be able to more efficiently move traffic throughout many of our intersections. You make improvements uh, to how you move traffic that inevitably has a benefit to how you move people, and especially how we're moving people on by bus, you know, throughout the county. And so with our ATMS project, we also will be looking at intersections to provide a transit signal uh, priority or transit or, or bus or transit exemption as well. And so these are things that we are very excited about and is bringing this type of project to bear where in four years we'll have a completely new traffic management system with improved traffic controllers at all of our intersections that can manage the movement of people and freight in, a, in the most efficient manner. So it's a, it's a groundbreaking project and, and definitely happy to be leading it. You mentioned uh, earlier the difference kind of between the city and the county. I know it's a fine line, but a lot of people think of uh, Miami as a city, and it is, but it's also a county. Could you kind of just show us the demarcation line there? How much does the city of Miami participate in funding the transit system? Those kind of things. Yeah, sure. So, so the responsibility really for transportation lies at the county level first. And so for our transit system itself, the three modes that I mentioned and the like, also the oversight over design of the type of roads, regardless of what municipality that you're in within the county, it really begins and ends at, at the at the at the county. We of course coordinate with the state as well on their facilities and make sure that from a design perspective, we're intertwined and and on the same page there. But we work very closely with with all of our our municipalities throughout. The county, you mentioned the city of Miami. City of Miami is, is the uh, largest one by population. And we coordinate with them on all the growth that's happening, uh, especially on the economic development standpoint and uh, some of the transportation services that they provide as well. So just to break this down a little bit more, 
We have a surtax that was passed back in 2002 that allowed the county plus the municipalities to be able to collect half a penny sales tax to go into transportation projects and or services. And so what you'll find in Miami-Dade County is that uh, you'll have some municipalities that will take their portion and dedicate it to a municipal transportation service. That's so if you're a city of Miami, you'll see those trolleys, which you probably saw. That was something that that's uh, holistically has just been funded by the city of Miami. So you have other aspects of how municipalities utilize that surtax where they may make uh, infrastructure improvements and the like on a very localized level. Um, for the county, our portion, our share, which is about 77 to 80% of the total pot, we are utilizing that uh, surtax to build out one of the largest capital programs within the county's history. And that's called our smart plan slash smart program. Okay. And essentially that's a $7 billion, 40 year capital investment program, which will allow us to expand our transit system and build out high capacity rapid transit within the county. And so we have six corridors that we're currently working on. They're in different phases of project development. And fundamentally, we will end up building all of these corridors out and fundamentally change the county's transportation system moving forward. And so it's something that the, the people want. It's it's in a lot of planning and effort has gotten into this point. And now it's about implementation. And we're excited to be leading that effort. That's great. One of the hot topics across the country when it comes to public transportation is our need for people. <laughs> we need we need operators or drivers, as they're commonly known. We need skilled technicians. We need staff members. I was just interviewing um, the CEO of MBTA recently. He told me he has a thousand vacancies, wow. three hundred of which are drivers. When I was with you, you told me about you've been trying to get two hundred drivers for quite a while, and then we see you know Walmart advertising a hundred thousand dollars salaries for CDL drivers for their trucks. You know, and I wonder how can we compete against that. Tell us how you're uh, adapting to that challenge there and, and what you're doing in Miami to help recruit and retain your workforce. And how yes. many employees do you have? Yeah, sure. So so we have, we have over 4,000 positions and, and my vacancy rate right now is uh, we have about 532 vacant positions out of wow. 4,000 or so employees. So, and we have about 132 vacancies on the bus operator side. Okay. So, so it, it is a challenge. I think all of us in the, in the industry are dealing with the same issue with trying to hire not only people, but more specifically bus operators, because that position and that CDL is really gold in the industry. Yeah. And so we, we here in, uh, at my department want to make sure that we're, we're competitive, not only with pay, but with incentives as well to try to hire the number of drivers that we need. You mentioned the 200 number that the 200 operators that we need are additional operators because we just went through a planning process to re-optimize our bus uh, system to create more frequency. And so it's an opportunity that really is going to provide greater access for a lot of our folks that need it from a transit perspective. However, if you provide more frequency, you need more resources. And that's yes. where we are looking at trying to hire those 200 drivers. So we are pulling out all of the stops. So we're looking at sign-on bonuses of $5,000. We're looking wow. at referral bonuses uh, to our, our, our existing staff to help 
identify people that can come in through through the process. We are developing partnership with a university and our community college system to help us not only do recruitment, but provide ways in which that we can identify additional people to help, help us hire and doing a lot of promotional activities and trying to market the department and their services and the benefit of coming on board as a bus operator, which is really your pathway into a great career in the transportation industry. Because many folks have started off as bus operators and then risen to different leadership positions within the department. And we really want to make mention of the fact that this is a great industry and the way you get into it a lot of times is going through as a bus operator. And so we're going to pull out all the stops. It is a challenging endeavor, but we have to be just as competitive on pay, on incentives, and on on really developing a culture that fosters the way in which people can meet their potential moving forward. And so that's what we're going to do. That's great. A big system like yours at Miami-Dade requires uh, a level of expertise and experience that doesn't come overnight. You've had quite an interesting and great background for public transportation. Tell me a little bit about you know, what you did prior to coming here and what, what brought you to Miami. Sure. So before Miami, I was in Denver working for the city and county of Denver as the executive director of the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure. So a similar great. capacity. Similar capacity, yes. Yeah. Broader portfolio, however. You know? Okay. So, so the, the department, from a personnel standpoint, wasn't as large, but the portfolio I had was was wider. I had transportation infrastructure, provided services as well, had similar and sanitary responsibilities. Ah. And then also I uh, had a vertical portfolio where we had about 160 or so buildings that we were responsible for constructing. That's everything from firehouses to police stations. At that time when I was there, we were building out an expansion of the convention center there in Denver. And so it was a great, great position, a great opportunity for me. And, and I have to give kudos out to, to Mary Hancock for recognizing me and pulling me away from Houston, where I was before, where I was the uh, deputy director of the Council of Governments there, uh, running their uh, Metropolitan Planner organization. So, And then before that, I was in Washington, D.C. I worked for the Washington, D.C. Department of Transportation, a whole a variety of different uh, leadership positions. And I've had experience with USDOT. I've been a consultant, owned my own business for a minute. And then I had an opportunity where I actually worked in the industry very early on, on the uh, supply chain and logistics side, where I ran East Coast operations for for Walmart, actually. So yeah. I've had a very, I would say, circuitous experience and, and career, and it's all kind of been building blocks to get to me, to get me to where I am today, which is, you know, leading this great organization. So, so every step of the way has been a great experience and, and would not have done anything differently <laughs> throughout all those stops. That's wonderful. Well, from my perspective, having been there um, several times recently, you're doing an amazing job and the citizens and you know the, the folks who run the transit system there are well served by having you at the helm. Thank you for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Yeah, thank you very much, Paul. Always appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you for listening to this week's, our 200th episode of Transit Unplugged with Euliz Cleckley. Now, next week on Transit Unplugged News and Views, we have Christian Blake of WMATA's Director of Access Services talking with Paul. Now, if you ever have a question, comment, would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.